In my last video, I talked about my experience going on my buddy Adam Saw's Valuetainment Money podcast and some of the hard topics that were covered in my conversation with an OnlyFans model. This led to a wide spectrum of responses and allegations from some people in the red pill community calling me a simp and some Christians alleging that I went too easy on her and I didn't proclaim the full fire and brimstone of the gospel. So on this video, I'm gonna reassess my approach. Did I drop the ball? Could I have and should I have communicated some things better? And ultimately, did the pressure of the moment cause me to fail the Christian community? So we're going to review the clips and you be the judge. Bruce Lawn. We're going to be talking about the clips from this, a passage that I think you really need to stick around for towards the end, and where I think the actual heart of the disagreement was. Now, just to be clear, the vast majority of the feedback that I got from uh, you guys, our Patreon community, friends, pastors in my personal life about my appearance on the Valuetainment Money podcast was overwhelmingly positive. But I want to acknowledge, man, that I am extremely far from perfect, that I'm going to probably drop the ball, and that sometimes I need to course correct. But I think what we're dealing with here, in my opinion, is something a little different that, again, I'm going to express at the end of the video with the passage of scripture to tie it all in. And the truth is, the sense that I got is from the people that were the most critical about uh, my previous video didn't seem to watch the whole interview. They didn't seem to watch much of the interview at all. They seemed to just watch the clips that I showed last time and miss the full context. And so I want to address some of these questions of like, what is the gospel? How do we proclaim the gospel? What's a great way to evangelize? All of these different things. So let's roll the tape of some of the stuff you guys didn't see. And there's even more. I do recommend you go and watch the full podcast from my actual conversation and what was and wasn't said. Check it out. You consider yourself a devout Christian? What's the best description? I prefer follower of Jesus. Follower of Jesus. I think when you say follower of Jesus, that's a bit more specific. And what was the book that you gifted me? Did you read it? I've skimmed it. Oh, you got to read it. It's like it, the biggest bro. book I've ever seen. It is not. It's a very large book, but it's called what? It's, it's not called, the, I've read the Bible. It's called The Case for Christ. The by, Case for by Christ. Strobel, which I it's yes. highly recommend. Right, maybe I'll have, by the time that I read that book, you'll be back here on the next show. I'll be full on follower of Jesus it's, at that point. It's a high we'll possibility. Because she has a point here. It's not like she's going out with other men or doing other being infidelity, you know, or anything like that. It's with her husband. Like she said, to use her words, we're doing everything we typically would do. The only difference is we turn the camera around, turn it on. Well, to me, and this goes back to my faith too, right? You are defiling the marital bed. And I know to you as a, like to you, you're not a Christian. So that's not a part of your value system. But for me, that's essentially saying our marital bed, our relationship is now out here for everyone to see. Mm -hmm. I would never do that. It's not something you would do. Not at all. Ruslan, I already know you're going to say no, so I'm not going to ask you the exact same question. <laughs> but it's almost like she's using religion as like a, no, according to my religion, well, can't do that. System. That's totally cool. Yeah. No, but yeah. Yeah, you, as a follower of Christ, what would the Bible or Christianity have to say about what you, because again, not cheating on her husband, all she's doing is turning on a camera. Yeah. Yeah. According to scripture, <laughs> mm -hmm. the standard the expectation is that intimacy is reserved for one man, one woman, mm -hmm. covenantal marriage. Mm -hmm. That's the line. God designed this amazing thing called sex. That's phenomenal. It's incredible. It's one of the best blessings out there. Mm -hmm. And what we tend to do, mm -hmm. we pervert something that's intended to be good. Mm -hmm. Food is good. What do we do? We make highly caloric, dense, compressed, fried food with as many calories. And it tastes great. And it's yummy. And it's, but what happens if you just eat processed fast food? You're going to get overweight. And you're not going to like the results you get. And so I think most things that we're talking about are in the category of this is an amazing gift from God. Food alcohol, whatever, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And we take them and we, we, we distort them. We pervert them from the original design. 
And so I think it's less about her, you and your husband. I think it's who is the demographic that's consuming this? Mm -hmm. And is it adding a net positive to human flourishing? Mm -hmm. Or is it reinforcing dysfunctional behavior in a lot of men who are maybe becoming more socially isolated? Is this causing them to view women as image bearers of Mm -hmm. God? Is this causing them to have a healthy expectation of what is? Is this causing them to have healthy expectations? Because as a a kid that grew up with a ton of sexual trauma and then got addicted to I had really distorted views of what sex was supposed to be. You're saying that you did? Yeah, I did. Same what here. Are you? you too? Yeah. Ruslan. But yeah. um, thank yeah. you for being here, brother. Go ahead. The easiest thing I could say is a lot of what you're looking for fulfillment in is found in faith in Christ. And I think most people don't know that. It's a worldview that is based on the greatest story ever told, except it happens to be true. And I would encourage everybody who's listening to uh, do, do look at the resurrection. Look at the bodily resurrection. Don't get caught up in the religious aspect. Don't, don't get caught up in the hypocrisy. Look at the resurrection. Ask yourself, is Jesus who he claimed to be? And if he is, uh, then, then that's that's a really big, big statement. And I would encourage you to look at the resurrection and ask, if you're, if you're brave enough, ask and pray and say, Jesus, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. And that's how it started for me. And it's literally impacted everything in my life and caused the most amount of flourishing by and large. And so I would, I would, you know, try Jesus, don't try me. I talk about us perverting the blessing of God. I talk about a need to change our relationship with some of the things that God intended for our good that we've perverted. I use the word perversion. I talked about the need for us to change and place our faith in Jesus. The question comes down to when sharing the gospel, are there certain words that need to be said or Is it more to tickle our own ears as religious people? Because I'm not sharing the gospel to people who are religious viewing the conversation and trying to win brownie points with Christians. That's actually not what I'm doing. And I'm going to come back to that point there. So are we looking for our ears to be tickled with, Ruslan, you have to use the word sin. You have to use the word repent. You have to use the word hell. What do those words mean? Right. And are we saying them to people that don't even understand what those words mean? And is there a better way to articulate the same exact ideas, which, by the way, I believe I did without using those words, which can often just be a barrier to entry. The gospel is already offensive enough. Us adding more sauce to it, us adding more things to it can get in the way of people receiving it. Right. So, like, if I'm already telling somebody, hey, God created this amazing gift of intimacy, and it's only meant to be enjoyed in a one-man, one-woman covenantal marriage, and anything outside of that is a perversion. My language there. Do I need to go and add the sauce of like, and you're going to burn in hell, right? <laughs> so I think that's that's my question. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with using those words. I'm saying when you're speaking to people like Ali, like Sauce, who aren't coming from a Christian background, and I know a lot of us, that's, that's our culture, that's what we've been immersed in, those words aren't going to mean the same as what leads to ultimate flourishing. What are we designed for? Have we perverted these things? And I got a passage, and then I'm going to get beneath the issue, because I think there's an issue beneath the issue. Check out this passage. This is Romans chapter 1 into Romans chapter 2. It's important that we read context. This is written to a church in Rome and listen to what Paul says. He says, furthermore, this is right after he talks about them giving up the natural relations uh, for intimacy, men with men, women with women. And listen to what he says after that. He says, furthermore, just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy, although they know God's righteous decrees because the natural law of God is written on our hearts. 
as St. Aquinas would say, he says, although they know God's righteous degrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So here, Paul is writing a church and he's describing what's happening in the culture of Rome. Some would argue that when these things are already happening, it's already evidence that God's given them over. But listen to what he says right after this. Remember, these chapters were added later. The verses were added later. This was written as one stream of consciousness. Listen to what comes right after this, right? You, who's you? Christians, so he's writing a church. That's what the epistles of the New Testament are. You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Some people said, Ruslan, you're too hard on Christians, man. You said the Christians are bad because Christians are hypocritical. We need to not try to hold the world to Christian standards based on 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, so let's just, let's just think through this. Paul is writing a church. He's saying this is what the world's doing. By the way, if you do these things as a follower of Jesus and then you judge those in the world, it's going to be worse for you. So, yes, the church should be held to a higher standard. This is common sense. Stop trying to act like those sinning in church are somehow less jacked up or somehow we can look the other way. We've blown it in this area and that's why we keep seeing these scandals and that's why we're going to keep talking about these things because we don't hold the church accountable to the standards of the church and then we hold non-Christians accountable to the standards that they never signed up to follow. That is not something that is loving. That is not something that is kind. You need to preach the gospel. You need to tell people to believe and repent, but you need to explain what those things mean. Furthermore, if this says here, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. What leads us to repentance? God's kindness leads us to repentance. Do judgmental Christians lead you to repentance? No. Does trying to hold the world to the standards of the church lead people to repentance? No. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So if God's kindness is what's going to lead people to repentance, the mercy of God, the grace of God, right, the love of God, why would we as Christians expect other Christians to act unkind or unloving in these sorts of conversations, the cognitive dissonance that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, yet we want to hold people to unkind communication forms, to speak to them in a demeaning fashion. And I'll tell you what the core of this is, and this is my opinion. I don't know if it's true or not. I think this is not a thing of scriptural disagreements. I'm going to approach this from a different apologetic. I'm going to approach this from a more classical apologetic. And certain people, hey, they're going to go on the other extreme of a different type of apologetic where you're using a presuppositional apologetic. And so you're preaching the word to them, assuming that they know what the language means. And I'm saying, listen, most folks 
folks don't know what the language means. Most folks don't know what all of these words mean. Let's break it down to them very, very, very simply. If we're talking about how do we present these things, who Jesus was talking to, who is the audience, who is, is, is being engaged with, you'll find this narrative of scripture. And believe it or not, you go through all scripture and this is what you'll find. And, and, and test me on this. Like really go and do your Bible and do your due, due diligence, read the New Testament. You'll find that there's always a ton of grace and mercy extended to people far from God, the woman at the well. But then when you see Jesus confronting religious people, what happens? The opposite happens. That's when the brood of vipers comes out. That's when, hey, you, 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 your dad is the devil comes out. That's when there's the flipping of the table comes out. And again, read through the New Testament, read through the, the, the epistles. You never see Jesus dunking on people that are spiritually blind, far from God. You see Jesus addressing the hypocrisy of the, of the, of the hypocrites, the Pharisees, the religious people of the time, and you see him extending kindness and mercy to people. Isn't that interesting? Yet again, if we look around our, our day and age, what do we do? We do the opposite. We see a consistent need to dunk on people that are spiritually blind and spiritually dead and to be as combative, dare I say demeaning, and then when people in the church misbehave, when pastors blow the, the, the standards of what it calls to be an elder, they, they, they're, they're foul with their mouth, right? They speak ill of people. They're not living above reproach. There's questionable things. They get divorced. They commit adultery. Whatever it is, we look the other way. That's not okay. That's not scriptural. You won't find that. In the New Testament epistles, you won't find you won't find Paul dunking on people that are far from God. You won't find Jesus dunking and demeaning people. You'll always see mercy extended, grace extended, and the firmness of being full of grace and truth. And the truth is, yes, sin no more. Repent. Leave. Repent. Go on your way. Other things I think are just cultural. Like we just look the other way when people have platform. Because we're enamored with Christian leaders. And so I'm not going to let that sort of stuff slide. Yes, I'm going to call it down the line. Yes, we look the other way. And that's why there's so many scandals in Christian evangelical culture. And we need to be willing to call out our own. And we need to be willing to be uh, the ones to press into those conversations. And not just looking the other way. Because there's actual standards and expectations of how elders and pastors are called to live. They're in Titus. They're in 1 Timothy. Okay, someone that's spiritually blind and spiritually dead are going going to behave in a way that they're spiritually blind and spiritually dead. How, how is like, how does this not resonate? Right? So yes, we got to speak the truth. Yes. We got to be firm. And again, check out the full interview. Look at the full thing. Was I perfect? No, I wasn't perfect. Did I have other questions? So on and so forth. Yes. But when you're in a position to, first of all, to be in a situation like that without a ton of notice and a ton of prep. And second of all, to be in a position where this is somebody's first exposure to the, to the gospel. Like she, she was, Allie was honest. She didn't grow up going to church. She didn't grow up hearing about these sorts of things. Right. So I think it's, it's important in my opinion, this is my opinion to err on the side of grace and mercy and being delicate and cautious instead of like turn or burn now. And I know, I know there's a, there's a certain demographic of folks that like, you, you know, you want that bravado. You want that, like, we're just going, 
I don't see that exhibited from scripture. And find me a passage in the comment section. Find me a passage where Jesus is pulling up and just 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 pulling out the, the, the spiritual Uzi and just shooting up a bunch of folks that are struggling, jacked up, whether it's tax collectors, whether it's prostitutes. You won't find that in the New Testament, yet we do that in today's society, and I think it's a disconnect, and I think it's 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 disingenuous, and I don't think it's helpful. Do we water down sin? No. Do we do we do we do we downplay stuff? No. Right. But I think we have to be full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. So those are my thoughts on this. If you guys want to see the full interview, check it out here, especially before you come on here. Watch the full interview. And if you guys want to hear about the time they asked me about Joel Osteen, I made a video about that here. Let me know if I was too harsh on good old Joel. I'm going to be addressing that in another video as well. All right. Peace.